Oh, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Good morning, Mark. Patrick, we have a returning guest. I'm so excited. Uh, those listeners who've, who were with us in the early, I think it was the first year, will remember Grandmaster Dave Wheaton. Dave, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. We're, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you back. I, I'm lucky enough to get to talk to you all the time because uh, of the dojo and, and uh, martial arts, family fitness, and kickboxing, doing all of those kinds of things. But our, our listener hasn't had that chance. And recently, we were talking about aging and I said, that would be a great topic for the show. And you agreed to come back and, and talk to us about aging. And I'm curious, when, when did the, the realization that you were getting old, I mean, <laughs> it happens, but when did that hit you as, as something that you started thinking about? You mean I'm getting old? <laughs> I, yeah, breaking, huh. new, breaking news. <laughs> breaking news, well. Yeah. My first observation, um, Jack LaLanne and my dad were the same age. I was oh, in, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, I was in my 20s, I think, when I was introduced to Jack LaLanne. And um, he was fit and bright and, and engaging. And my dad sat, he a wonderful guy, but didn't exercise at all and didn't watch his diet. And I just watched the two of them, and I, I started looking at what would happen as I aged if I did what my dad did mm. versus what Jack LaLanne did? And I wanted to be like Jack. So I kind of, ever since then, have kind of followed his lead. At 20? 20. 20-something 20 in my 20s. Interesting. And Jack was, so that was on television because you grew up back east. Was he, is Jack a, I might a even, West Coaster? Yeah, he was. He's from here. Okay, For this it. area, yeah. Right. And so you you saw him on TV, and, and did you... Now, had you you started as a martial artist? I think on our earlier show, you talked about that, but it was as a teenager. So this was kind of part and parcel of that. Yes, yes. What, that's well, a strange investigation to realize in the mid-20s when you're invincible. You know, that we always <laughs> talk about these 20-year-olds are invincible. They feel, yeah. they feel no pain. They can, you know, everything's made of rubber, and they're, they're totally comfortable. That's an odd time to realize mortality. Or, to, or to, to identify mortality. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it. I did identify it, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did think I was invincible. However, I wanted to be a different kind of invincible. Mm. Yeah. Tell well, me, what do you mean, what's a different kind of invincible? I wanted to be focused on wellness and, and living optimally through my life. Not just living my life, but really... So again, again, in, in your young 20s, I'm, I'm going to think back to myself and, and Patrick, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I, I was not having that conversation with myself. Yeah. What do you think inspired that? Where do you think that, that, that but, level of attuneness? Um, so the first one was I, I went actually for a college physical. 
And uh, my doctor, who was my family doctor all my life, sat there with uh, Dr. Harvey with a cigarette in his hand while he's talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) True story, Doc Harvey. He was an amazing guy. And um, he looked at me, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he said, obese? Mm, Not this time. I'll put down husky. For you. Yeah. And I thought I was in pretty good shape. Yeah. Right? You know? I'd been training some martial arts, but I wasn't really focused on my diet or on, on wellness in any other way. What was your diet back? Do you, do you, could, you, could you drum that back up, what your diet looked like back then? Well, I'm, I'm Italian. Yeah. And um, so I had lots of pasta and bread and heavy-duty carbs every meal. Every meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so tell as us. As much sugar as I could put in my body. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Like, like. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, you know. In what vehicle? Like, no, no, in, in in the vehicle of grains. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and cereals and which are grains, but sure, uh-huh. they're just they're sugar grains mixed with sugar. Somebody somebody told me this about milk too. That it's like milk. The reason people like we like milk so much is that it's a high sugar drink. Because of the lactose. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton of sugar in it. And I just so you think of breakfast cereal, and you're just kind of like. The milk's got Let's sugar have sugar on, the grains on our sugar, sugar. And, then we, and then we candy coat it. And then we put sugar on it. And then we, and then, and then we dust it with it. <laughs> Enough so it gets a little sludge in the bottom. You guys remember that? What? A little oh sugar sludge in the bottom of the bowl? It no? seems insane now. Oh, I it absolutely seems insane. remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was my favorite part. When like, you drink the milk yeah. down, you just got the sugary. Oh, man. <laughs> God, and some of our listeners are going, okay, guys. Well, no, but seriously, like that was something apparent. I didn't make that up. I didn't invent that idea. No, right? that was like a somebody, healthy breakfast. Somebody said, here, just dust that thing with sugar. Take a spoonful. There was sugar on the table. Yes. Sugar bowl. God, I'm having I'm having nightmares right now. Thinking but about see, it. now, because now sugar is evil and, and, and you know, we, we know the chemical consequences of do, sugar. Do we? Do we? I think in this, Some t- around do. this table, yeah. we yeah. do. But why don't you illuminate us a little bit about that? Because I think that that's been the, the big one is it's sugar and wheat. Yeah, so my my wife just finished, Melody Meyer, just finished writing her second number one bestseller. And it's called A Clean Food Diet. And it, it's all about um, what inflammation does to our body and how to avoid it. And the, the number one thing that causes inflammation is sugar in some form or another. Really? Yeah, like grains and sugar. That's one. <clears throat> then if you're into... Um, fitness, not just wellness, but fitness, a mechanism happens. If you put sugar in your mouth and it gets into your bloodstream, your cells shut down the ability to burn fat and they release. Yeah, so you can't burn fat when you have, when sugar is present. And then um, your pancreas releases insulin Mm -hmm. and insulin will spike up to chase the sugar. And the, the, the insulin will actually stay at a very high level because it's slow reacting, unlike sugar just goes up and down. In, insulin, um, like it'll dip a little bit, but it stays in your blood a long time. And, and you've, you've heard of uh, insulin resistance, metabolic right. syndrome. It's all caused from that mechanism. It's from eating too much sugar. And so when if you wanted to be completely sugar-free, it's not that it's being free of processed sugar, but it's all these other high glycemic index foods. Yes, exactly. Right, so it's gonna be grains. Grain. So tell me about your diet now. How is there no sugar in your world now? Well, 
that would be a lie. <laughs> okay. First of all. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I restrict my sugar. I, I totally under, understand that last mechanism I was talking about, and I make sure that I keep my insulin levels low because if I have something that's sweet, I stop at that, and then I let, I let that stuff burn out of my system. Um, be- because yeah. of the, 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 your anticipation of the, infl- the inflammation? Yeah, I want to be healthy. You yeah. know, I, I want to, part, of, part of being vibrant is not being in the sugar coma all the time. So that's and the, this, go ahead. And Jack Lillian preached this. He, yeah. he said, you know, 50 years ago, don't eat anything white. Oh. He called it white death. Yeah. Don't eat white sugar. Don't eat white, don't eat white rice. Don't eat white starches. White and, flour, anything. Yeah. So my diet now is pretty much um, proteins, uh, almost all organic, grass-fed, um, as natural, as, as close to the source as we can get it, um, a lot of vegetable matter, a little bit of fruit, fruit has sugar, so, you know, um, I do enjoy fruit, and I limit my fruit, because if I eat fruit, I know I can't burn fat, and... So I, I want to try to stay lean, as lean as possible. Interesting. So again, we're, you know, we're, we're taught like, you know, this fruit is good, you know, lo- a lovely summer fruit. It's, right? in, the sa- it's fruits. in the front, fruits and vegetables. Eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Ooh. Right. You know, That's the vegetables true. play the second string. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they are uh, equated. They're, yeah. are, are, that's not the right word. They're, but they're put in, sure. a, in, a, in the box and says, same box, oh, yeah. either one. Yeah. You can either eat fruits or vegetables. They're, they're pretty much the same thing to you. Yeah. So and when I stick with fruits, I, and when I eat fruits, I eat a lot of berries, mm. which are very low in glycemic index. And, hmm. yeah. What's the lowest fruit? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get our crack research staff on that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I know, I know the ones are that are high low. are like melons, right? You're going to stay away from melons. Um, it's just, it's interesting. I, we did a, a no, we did that, that really hardcore 16-week um, food deal about four years ago, Kimberly and I did. And it was uh-huh. like zero tolerance on that. And we were juicing, and I would, and a lot of kale and dandelion, a lot of bitter greens. And so you would throw a, a green apple in that, which was the lowest glycemic when I mean by that the lowest amount of sugar of any of the apples Mm -hmm. but in this particular regimen you were not allowed to have fruit juice so to be 100% compliant with it I had to pull the apple out of it and it was and had to get used to that what I ended up doing is add more acid add more lemon Mm -hmm. to it and ginger and that 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 helped yeah it totally worked oh that's awesome and now I don't use any fruit and try go try to find a vegetable juice someplace that doesn't have fruit in it it's very difficult. Yeah. You know, it's we, we go and when we travel a lot, we want to get a, a good juice. Thankfully, there are pressed juice places now more and more and more. So it's easier to go get that kind of juice. But to go into like a Jamba juice, no, that's just... That's all sugar. It's all sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what is up with that? We've done a really good job of, of, of swapping out our... You know, I, I feel like that's that's what we do. Is like th- there's a new health craze that comes along, and they just simply swap it. You know, it's like low-fat yogurt. They've they've pulled the fat out of it, which th- you knew how to process. Your body knew how to process the fat that was in the yogurt, and instead they've replaced it with higher sugars. That's right. that's where they backfill it with. Right. And now your body doesn't know what to do with all that sugar coming exactly. out of, out of the thing that's supposed to be, you know, good for you. Diet food. You know, low low low. I'm looking up right now cherries. 
anything tart has the low the low glycemic. Got um, it. Cherries and grapefruit. How how does this? So I, I want to get back to aging because I'm thinking how much of of that is a genetic. You're genetic genetically predisposed to a long life or a short life, and it kind of doesn't matter what your nutrition is, or um, you you really because sometimes you'll talk to these ninety you'll see the story on CNN this hundred and seven year old women and it's like what was the secret well I had a cigarette and a, and a shot of whiskey every day so how much of this is related to good nutrition and how much is it to our DNA uh, Deepak Chopra wrote, finished writing a book with a I forgot the scientist's name a couple years ago, and it pretty much disproves the idea that you are controlled by your DNA. That what? You, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that you can you can actually change your future regardless of what your DNA says, for the most part. Fascinating well, keep, keep going. I want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it so, when you tell me I have a choice. There's oh, a yeah. chance for me to change. Oh, there's totally a chance, yeah, right? Yeah. More than a chance. You totally can change. How long does it take to change? I, how long? Oh, there it is, the snap. 21 days for it to physiologically happen, though. But you have to change it, your mind like that. Yeah, you change your mind that quick. It's funny that the 20, I, I learned, I don't know, I learned that hopefully by the time I was 21, that it was 21 times to, to any kind of behavioral change. Yeah. So uh, it was funny, I, I took a golf class, I took one in my life. And it was. Me too. Um, and it didn't change you. <laughs> no, I had to. I had to practice the thing three times a day for seven days. And I went. So mm -hmm. I have to do it twenty-one times. Mm -hmm. And he and he says, Yeah, how'd you know? And you know, I mean, every everybody who says, Yeah, go do this thing when you reverse engineer the math, it t tends to be twenty-one times. Uh. I would add to that, uh, a, if you are truly wanting to change your behavior that you have a sense of intentionality around that, and you know when you're doing that thing the 14th time mm -hmm. and the 18th time, and you will never, ever not do that thing. It absolutely works. Like, That's a great idea. I've never heard it put that way before. Yeah, because like yeah, because now I'm, I'm <clears throat> with intention, okay, that's the sixth time I did that. Right, that's the whatever time I did that. This with meditation, that's how it was for me. It was like, okay. And now I'm on like my 690th day in a row. Congratulations, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So, th so thinking about things in that way. So, because one of the things I remember for me when, was when I was 21, I was given the family tree uh, that goes back to 1634 from my dad, and I saw that Sylvester's tend to live into their mid to late 90s, and that gave me this sense of. We were talking about invincibility mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. That sense of invincibility when I was young, going, "I'm good," you know. I know I'm gonna I'm gonna make it that long, and I'm gonna enjoy the ride. And so that's so I've been living on that that in my head. But now I'm thinking, you know, maybe wellness and fitness and nutrition and all that stuff w is gonna play a wouldn't part. Wouldn't you like to go for 120? You know, well, I mean, like, like we're we're looking now, right? Like they've talked about that the people who are going to live to be 150 have now been born. The first people to live to be 150 have been born because by the time they get to, mm -hmm. you know, 80, 90 years old. So we're talking about like you know five, six year olds right now are going. Like my child, who's about to be born, 
she's not going to live to just be 90, assuming that, that assuming that health trends continue, assuming that, you know, life continues the way it is. There, she's going to, and assuming that there's a planet for her to live on, you know, she'll... All those little things. Right? Oh, you know, the minor <laughs> things. <laughs> she'll get to be, she, you know, theoretically, she should, you know, mathematically speaking, she should live, she should have a, a comfortable lifespan into her hundreds. So, so Dave, I know that you... Um, you you know in your dojo and and in the the gym and and what you do with uh, the the kickboxers ultimate training and and the cut and all of that helping people become fit and well and that's your life work is is doing that what for the person who's listening to the show right now and they can maybe look down at their belly or look in the mirror <laughs> or uh, like myself and, and just and feel just, pressed against right, the table right yeah. and and they're just thinking yeah I should. Like, I mean, I should eat better. I should work out more. I should be a little kinder, right? Because I, I think of wellness and being kind and all of that is, affects us. G- give, give our listener three things that they could do that are easy entries into that world. Because sometimes it feels like that's such a mountain to climb that I just, I just can't get there. So how, how do you coach them through that? Yeah, everybody's an individually coached on that, depending on where they are and uh, what their goals are. Um, something very simple is understanding the mechanism that when we were children, you have children, yeah, you're about to have a child. Okay, so when your child wanted to, I'm sure you heard, Daddy, I don't want to go to school today. Of course. Okay. What did you say to your child? You're going to school. Dad. You're going to school. Halloween comes. They go out and get a bag full of candy. I want to sit down and eat all my candy. What do you say to him? No. You have three. Why not? There you go. You have three, right? Because I know and, you'll be sick. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah. And you have to go to school. Because I know you'll be you, an idiot. Right. And you have to take <sighs> gym class and you have to do all this other stuff, right? And so we have these parents doing it in our lives until all of a sudden we're not at home and we don't have that parent telling us that we can't do something. And so you're laying in bed and you know you should go work out. You know, exor- you know Jack Lane again said exercise is king, uh, exercise is king and that uh, nutrition, nutrition is queen. Um, you know you gotta do it, but people will lay in bed and just become the resistant child and go, right. I don't wanna do it. I'm not gonna do it today, I'm gonna lay in bed. And we all have to over- overcome that. Right? We have to be able to say, okay, like I call myself Davey in that moment. Huh. And I say, okay, Davey, get out of bed. Let's go to, the, let's go to work so out. So you're inner parent. Yeah, yeah. I coach myself. I just say, okay. In fact, I had to do it this morning. I was laying there. It was it's starting to get dark at 6 o'clock in the morning now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's dark and I'm cozy and I'm cuddling with my wife. And 6 o'clock and it's like, okay, I don't want to go to work out today. Like, and I had to say, okay, Davey, get your butt out of bed. Throw your shorts on and go work out. And even you. I was going to say, you've, right? owned, you've owned this business for how many years? You've it doesn't been his whole stop. Life. It never goes away. <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> That's part of the key of it. You know, you got to yeah. understand it's never going to stop. That's so, how humans are wired. So you brought up, a, I want to segue to this because we, you brought up something. You brought up uh, resistance. And we battle resistance constantly. And in fact, Stephen Pressfield wrote a book, um, Turning Pro and the War of Art. And they're, they're both about battling resistance. And I would uh, recommend everybody 
you know, go get those books on Amazon. They're very quick reads. But resistance is evil, and it, it, it shows up in these most alluring ways in the form of a cozy bed and a warm, cuddly wife. You know, it's like that's, but being able to recognize resistance and overcome it, that's a life skill that will serve you, and that's a difficult one to get. But you have to first understand resistance is all around you. Right. And that our natural instinct for most people is to resist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And so, again, back to, so it's, it's channel your inner parent, but what if you had a permissive parent who didn't make you do those things? Man, then, then you're going down a very bad road. <laughs> but they come to you for help. And they, yeah. how do, how and do then I, I do explain that? that I, I explain that mechanism to them, and you, you have to become your parent. You have to be able to tell yourself that you... You know, you can't just eat anything you want to eat. You can't not work out. You got to take I, care of yourself. I think of one of the memes that, or not memes, but one of the like hashtags or phrasings that, that that a lot of people are saying these days, and it feels like it's the people who have just emerged into their into their uh, their regular life is adulting. I am adulting today. Oh, like, I've never heard oh, that before. Yeah. Ad- really? Is yeah. that a adulting. thing? Adulting. Adulting. This is me adulting. Like, like you know, adulting myself. Yeah, it's turning into a verb, right? Oh, like, I like, like it. the yeah, action yeah. of being an adult is like, well, that's you know, look at me adulting today. This is me. <laughs> like, I don't. You know, and I think there's a certain kind of like subtext under it of like, yeah, because nobody else is going to come be your adult. Like, yeah. you're you're it. You're in right. charge of your adultness. You're there. Your actions today have to exist as adults because the 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 alternative is being a child. Right. You know, and and at 30, you don't get to be a child anymore. Well, I don't know. We you have, you know, we have some people in very high, politi- high political offices <laughs> that are like in their 70s that are still children. So, uh, uh, so when, when, when you talked about this resistance, I'm immediately thinking about inside the dojo up on the wall are five words. Yes. And tenants. And I've said them 8,000 times since I was 50. Huh. Um, and I, I could have them, they are tattooed on the inside of my forehead because I, I can't not think of those things. Tell, tell us about the tenants because I think that those help a lot. And I'm thinking of the students who are just doing fitness for the first time, see those words and it's hard to ignore them. Yes, um, so courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control indomitable spirit and it's just it's a it's a code as a martial artist that you want to strive towards I'm I'm thinking of perseverance is that one that gets you out of bed and says I know I've got to do the fitness it's the perseverance is the one that says no thank you we don't need any bread at our table Um, it's perseverance that keeps you on track and and I know my daughter, who also got her black belt from you, mm-hmm. uh, she'll, I, I remember this is four or five years ago, she called and she was whining about something, uh, about work. You know, she just, Needed end of the day, things. and she's she talking to dad, and, and, and I said, oh, so this is what perseverance looks like? How'd that go over? <laughs> she's, she's like, oh, okay, I got it. But that's why we have those tenets because those become things that we can, can that, that ground us, that hold us. We look back and go, yeah, you're right. But the, but the next one is the one I think that's really, they're all important, but self-control, mm-hmm. 
right? You're in charge of that. And when, when you own that, and that's why you have us say that, right? At, every time we work out, we say that. And we also have the kids do that. Yes. Right? And so you're, we're baking that into the kids because those five things, uh, we were, um, when we were, had a big staff at our company, uh, we would interview and we'd say, this is a Marshall-run company. And one of the things you need to know is that we live by these five tenets, and we're going to expect that from you. Whether I, you I, I knew about that, and I'm so proud of you for doing that. More business should, should have that code of ethics. Right, because yeah. we said that's, that's and, and as it turned out, she, I said, well, why do you want to work here? She says, no one's ever said that to us before, to me. I've never had that come up in an interview that this is how you will be judged. Yes, your technical competence is going to come into bear, but how you comport yourself is, is really going to be the more important thing that's going to show up every day. Yeah. Um, and so as, as I think about fitness and wellness and nutrition, you kind of got to go back to those. So I want to transition now to Indomitable Spirit, which is one. You recently uh, were in Japan yes. on a trip. Tell us about that trip and how it challenged your indomitable spirit. Well, you know, I had just recovered from the, probably the first time I ever got the flu, the worst illness, like, that I've ever had in my life. And I was still a little bit sick when I got there. An actual and bona fide flu, not a cold. Oh, no, not a, this no, was, no, no, yeah. This was the scary one that people talk about. Yeah, this was that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Never had it before, never got a flu shot. I'm going to get one every year from now on. Because huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want, I lost 15 pounds in two weeks. God. Yeah, mm. exactly. That is, and not from a good place. No, no. That is not, no. That is not the 15 pounds you wanted to lose. Anyway, yeah. so I, I, we got to Japan and we went to, uh, there, there's a trail between Kyoto and, and uh, Edo, uh, Tokyo now, that the samurai would take, walking trail. And it's called the Samurai Path or the Samurai Trail, the Nakasendo Trail. And, um, I mean, we hiked 70 miles of mountain and terrain wow. in nine days. Wow. Yeah, a little over 70. And, um, and there, were, there was days when we, it was very remote, and it was like five hours of brisk uphill hiking in the mountains, and then an hour back down on the other side. And, uh, yeah, you had to dig pretty deep to, to get through all of that. It, and there's options to, like, you can bow out at certain points and take a train. But to actually, right? So that's always, well, I could always just take a train today. Well, that's a, li- <laughs> so a lis- listener what Dave did is he put that little voice up by his ear going, Davey, Davey take the train. Davey, no, no, take the train. No, no, That's no. the voice that's telling him, no, stop, turn around, stop going to the ticket office. You're going back right. to the train. Yeah, stop your whining. Yeah. Get going, dude. Let's go, <laughs> Come on, Davey. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. What was the biggest surprise of that trip? Um, you know, that particular, you know, we travel a lot. And it, it by far contained the most magic. Hmm. Give me an example of that. Um, first one that comes to, to mind, you know, you're, you're hiking up uh, a 3,000 near vertical grade. And, and um, you are, it's snowing, there's snow on the ground, you're in sneakers, and um, a windbreaker going, I'm not prepared for this, am I? But we keep, keep on going. And we get, we get to the top of this, and uh, 
there's uh, this Torii Gate there, this, uh, you know, the Japanese big uh, pillars on either side with a drooping... Painted red. Yes, exactly, right? And it's like, right, it's... It, I mean, you're, you're hiking trail after trail way up in the mountains, and then you're on this little trail, and all of a sudden in this trail, this gate appears. And you're you're like, like, what? What? Exactly right. Right. And it's like there's no roads to it. Right. It's very old. And it's a gate to what? Well, it's, it's, um, there was a very famous samurai battle there. Mm. And, and 500 samurai died there. So they, they, oh. um, they put this gate there in a burial ground there for them in honor of them. Yeah. So that was just like one of the many wows. And then after that, we dropped into this little village. And it's a working Japanese village. And it has to be four or 500 years old. Mm. And doesn't look like much much had changed, mm. and and we stayed at a little uh, ryokan, and it, it it just was like being transported back several hundred years. Did they have the square tub that's four foot or five foot deep in the ryokan? Um, not this one, but we stayed in several ryokans on this trip, and yeah. many of them had that. Yeah, I love that. Oh, me too. Right, yeah. instead of a, as for and for a tall guy. Right, we're both tall. That is like the ideal tub. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's like perfect. Yeah. And if you've not ever That's, been in, I should. I'll, I'll get a picture of those tubs and I'll put it in the show notes because that is absolutely the most amazing, completely unexpected. That's yes. a surprise, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Yeah. And then the the then there were the the public baths. Right. Right. And similar, only much larger. And some of them were like just stuck outside under a rock with a waterfall coming down off of it. Natural, all everything mm -hmm. natural, just like really. I this this one of one of the tenets that, that Mark didn't touch on was courteous, mm -hmm. uh, which was the first one that you the mm -hmm. named. Is that, and courtesy, that's the, integrity, courtesy. Yeah. I I when you describe that, when you describe, you know, just even just the fact that this path still exists in parallel to the the modernization of the train. You know, saying that you could take a train if you need to. There's a certain amount of, of looking at that and saying the beauty and the magic that you guys were both just describing about this f four or five hundred year old uh, village. Um, there's a courteousness to saying we don't need to get rid of that. We don't need to replace that. We don't need to upgrade that. This is fine. We have a wonderful magic. Like it's it's only magic because it was allowed to be. Mm. Is that does it make sense that like there's a courtesy? Very much so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to to say like there's a waterfall coming down and it's 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 providing us what we what we need and want. And I think that's that that strange missing piece from so much of what we deal with today and the things that we kind of get disrupted by and upset by manufactured sugar, you know, how courteous is that? Or, you know, these mm. the, the diets that we're dealing with or the technologies that we're dealing with. Are they courteous to us? Are they are are we being courteous with them? You mm. know, is my would mm. be my question. Mm. Mm. Uh, of the world. Mm. It, it's in, there's, uh, was that your first time to Japan? No. Okay. So what's interesting, there's so many different um, polar opposites in Japan, right? There's a connection to nature, mm. which you mm -hmm. had, right? Like a deep connection to nature over mm -hmm. that trip. Yet they're the most mechanized and developed, and, um, <laughs> and they do Western better than we do Western, mm -hmm. right? In a lot of ways, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, much, much better. When you, Tokyo is a perfect example. I spent many, 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 many visits there, just blown away by that. But also going to the temple villages and, and getting out. I never went on the walk. It's, it's officially became on our list. 
uh, when we heard about that. I'm curious, um, in that connection, how did food fit into that hike? Yeah, so every detail at every Ryokan that we stayed at, that's, that's where we stayed, um, um, was close to perfection. Hmm. Like visually perfect, um, absolutely delicious, many courses, colorful. I mean, it was just the food was a, a major part of it. And it was it wasn't like a tourist thing. It was how they eat, right? Right. right? And their right. pride in perfection and simplicity. So you you um, tell us a lot on the mat, um, even though you've been doing sidekicks your entire life. You still don't feel like you've got it right. You're seeking perfection of form. Seeking perfection of form. Yeah. And. I think of the chef who is in that Ryokan making mm -hmm. that, here's another opportunity to seek perfection of form. Yes. Right, yeah. in, in how that is all done. And, and were you to have a conversation with them, they would be able to talk about why that dish, literally the dish, was paired with that morsel and why that morsel was served then because everything is so seasonal. Again, they're going to have things that are only regionally available to them because they're not going to, they don't have big trucks of manufactured produce coming in, right? Coming over the, the samurai path? No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty yeah. much. I'm curious, uh, I, I don't even know why this question popped in my head, but what did the samurai exist on from a food thing? What was their, did they have a go-to thing because they were so mobile? You know, that is a great question. I don't know. Because it, it doesn't show up in the literature. That's not one of the things that you talk about. But I'm all about food. Shows so. up in the yeah. in the movies. The the yeah, like Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and stuff like that. They 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 actually have food in there in different moments where the where the samurai are moving from location to location and buns were were some of the thing. And then they would talk about um, the good rice versus the bad rice or the you know they were there was a lot of different kind of like um, food was very important. And it yeah. was not readily available, and they did not carry a lot of it with them. Is from just, and that's totally just a, a, a kid growing up in America watching samurai movies my whole life. Well, the other place I'm thinking I might find that information is to look at scrolls, because scrolls mm -hmm. were a great way to they captured life, mm -hmm. right? And the scrolls, and you, you look at those and the detail of them, and you know that we've got a a, a collection of samurai prints from the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Kimberly and I give each other one a print each time we get a belt, and uh, that, that's a nice ceremony. It is. Oh, it's a big yeah. deal. It's a big yeah. deal in our house to to do that. And uh, but you look at those pictures and you really study them and you learn about mm -hmm. you know the life because they did we didn't have photographs of those things. Um, so so on that samurai trail, yeah, the last Ryokan we stayed at was almost 500 years old. Wow. No, excuse me. I don't know how old it was. It had been in one family for almost 500 years, mm. right? <laughs> and so, you know, I said to the owner, so, you know, like, I'm sure you've heard stories about the, the feudal era samurai coming through here. He said, oh yeah, they'd stay here. And it was a very simple, beautiful rag can with um, public bath and a great dining area 
and clearly very old. So I'm sure they had, when they were in that environment, that they ate very well. <laughs> right. Did they live long? I don't know. Probably not. Probably. That's a great question. But I, I would I would think that you know life expectancy wasn't so wasn't so long because of the battles. Right. And right. yet they, they were, were walking and very healthy. And so this is oh, yeah. of, you know right they were very good shape comparatively probably. Yeah, like Musashi. I think he was in his early sixties when he died. Um, you know, Teshu, the sword-no-sword no guy, was in his 60s when he died, stomach cancer. But you still got to think that's, that's, they would have started, you know, apprenticing, what, 14, 15, you know, like they would have been kind of physically active in the field for yeah, 40 years. Yeah. So, I mean, Musashi killed his first uh, full-grown adult when he was 13 years old. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Oh. When did Musashi live? Long time ago. <laughs> you know, at well, I mean, it's the 1300s I, or 1600s? Like 15, 1500. I think, as I recall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember um, Patrick, uh, Kimberly and I were in San Francisco when we were at the um, Asian Museum. Mm -hmm. the, it has probably has a fancier name than that. But the, um, the exhibit that got us in was a samurai exhibit. Mm -hmm. And it was one family's collection of mm. over 500 years of artifacts in one family. Mm. Took yeah. three halls to show all of it, but it was all the, the, the samurai garb and all of that. And we went through all of that, but it was when I turned a corner and saw this other room, which was on Musashi, that I stepped out, called you, mm. and said, I am looking at the original scrolls, which were the book of um, five rings. Yes, exactly. Right? And I was just looking at them. He says, oh my God, you have no idea what I'm looking at. Because part of what we have to do is we have to read that book mm -hmm. um, as we uh, graduate and get our belts. Yes. Why do you have us read that book? That, I mean, that book specifically, there's a lot. Um, that's a great question. Another one. So <laughs> I'm at four. I was, I was yeah, I, I, I was... Uh, turned on to a book of five rings pretty early on in my training and um, it really kind of caused me to think not just read I had to think about things and then I put it down and I went back and I read it again and it created a whole new wave of thoughts and I thought that would be a very good gift for all of our black belts to have Right, because then you have us write about it. Yeah, little, yeah, little right. book report. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. And I, I remember before I got my first belt that uh, I went on a meditation the day before and went to the beach and had the book with me and was just kind of rereading that, trying to get peaceful and after having, I don't know, six or seven months of training pretty hardcore yeah. uh, to get to that, to have that quiet time. Yeah. It has like little gems too. So, you know, it was at my bedside for many years. And if you just randomly pick it up, open the book and start reading something, it kind of speaks to you a little bit. Very interesting book. It, it's know, he was an interesting guy. I, I think the book that, that people would think about martial arts or would be The Art of War, right? Yeah. They think of corporate, I mean, there's 50 ver versions of that that are around for corporate executives and this is how you do this. But I, I, there's a completely different vibe in that book and the Book of Five Rings. Yeah. 
So um, the art of war, um, I think it was like basically Chinese warring strategy with a little bit of, um, they could take little pieces of it and, and look at it in your daily life, right? I've read it once and then skimmed it a couple times. Um, Musashi was the most notorious samurai of his time and, you know, one of the all-time most notorious samurais. Killed a lot of people, never lost a battle. Um, when he turned around 30, he kind of got bored with the sword and he would face the country's top samurai with a boken, a wooden sword. Hmm. And they'd have live blades. Use that for a while. And then really? Which is, which is, uh, forgive me again, but that's that's kind of the um, the the pinnacle of most samurai films is when the master is such a master that they, you know, the blade is uh, whatever. Yeah. And you see it all the time. They come at them. They don't even bother to unsheath the sword. Right. I won't even. Why would I even bother? You're not even right. significant enough for me. So that must be where that's from. Yeah. Is from him. From yeah. him. Yeah. The last battle that I read, the last uh, duel that he fought. Um, he was showed up, tore his hair, uh, pulled his hair back in a bun, pulled out his sword, walked over to a tree, cut off a branch with his sword, <laughs> and stood there with the branch and looked at the guy, and then beat him to death. And, uh, and then he put down his sword, and then for the next 30 years he came up with his philosophy uh, about the sword and how it relates to life, and mm -hmm. that became the Book of Five Rings. So. Very interesting book still. How do you go with this um, where martial arts is one, the person who's listening to me, that sounds super violent, he killed more people. I mean, there's just so much violence. Yet, when I step onto the mat with you, it's practicing the art of not getting hit. Yes. Right, so it's not violent at all. It's not about violence. Right, it's about stopping violence, actually. Yeah. So tell, different, tell, tell me about that. Yeah, so it's a different time, right? I mean, you're in feudal Japan, if you were samurai, your job, your only job was warrior. And you are you were a tool. And so if your shogun said, Okay, you have to go kill this guy, without thought you just go kill him. You have to go to battle. You just don't even think about it. You don't think about yourself or anything. You know, just go do it. No moral conundrum about it. No. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then um, it's just a different times. You know, it's it's so many people. Even Musashi, even though that's how he grew up, it's like almost all great warriors over time become extremely peaceful. Mm -hmm. They put down their weapons. Even the most brutal guys, they eventually find their way to peace and calm, right? This is generals becoming, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, diplomats are becoming, you know, like yeah. we, a lot of, we still have it happening. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Big warriors who, who turn to a suit and tie. Or Buddhist and, monks. And a table, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even me, you know, if, if you trained with me when I was in my early 20s, you would have a different perspective of me, mm. right? And over time, I've mellowed quite a bit. Well, I know. I mean, I was introduced when I was 50, and you had just opened up the dojo. 
and I was just dating Kimberly at the time, and, and she says, you know, if you want to see me in the evening, you need to come to the dojo. And I was like, I'm, I am not the karate kid. I'm not that guy. And I walked onto the mat, and I was like, okay, this is a 180 degrees opposite of what I thought this was going to be about. Mm-hmm. It was completely different. And so I would just say to the listener, if that was, if you'd ever questioned, you had that thought in your mind or that preconception of what it's like, it's not like that. Oh, not at all. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great, um, we're trying to get our grandkids into uh, martial practice young. Yeah, I mean, because most, if, if taught correctly, it, it's about, you know, becoming a better person, about evolution, about um, looking at those tenets and continually working towards being better at them, right? And that starts at a very young age. And, you know, the opportunity for me is to help create great citizens mm. right? mm-hmm. in, in a time where great citizens are needed. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's my bookend right there. <laughs> you could right? call it right there. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to call yeah. it right there. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, we, our Master Wheaton, we really, Grandmaster Wheaton, thank you. We deeply appreciate you coming back and joining us and, and sharing wisdom with us. I know that our listeners uh, can go back in the back catalog. I'll make a link to the earlier show that we had a couple years ago. Okay. And uh, we'll listen to that. And uh, as you know, at the end of the show, we get to um, uh, name the show. We give you the opportunity to name the show. We want to put a ribbon around this puppy. What, what are we going to call it? Oh, my. <laughs> really? This one? I don't know. But you've done this before. This is not a surprise. Yeah, but this went in a whole different direction. Right. Completely did, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I actually thought of it on the way over here. And, and it was something along the lines of, because I knew it was going to be, a, part of it was going to be on aging, is growing old gracefully is a lie, something like that. Oh, I like that. Where it's like you, you start into it thinking, oh, yeah, growing, gr- oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I love it. Go out kicking and screaming. <laughs> there, that's doing, my do, sub. That's doing, my subtitle. <laughs> kicking doing, and screaming. Go into the out ground. kicking. Doing everything. And do screaming. everything you can to stay yeah. as healthy as you can and be vibrant as long as you can. Hey, my last question. Um, it's it's 2017. Are you a samurai? And certain aspects of me are. Okay. I identify. I identify with that culture, as yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Never asked you that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you would be the the, the embodiment in 2017 of what a yeah. samurai might yeah, be. Yeah, but but like the one that's been off the sword for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, like the one who's been. Yeah, he's ready to climb up the mountain, crawl in the cave, and write the book. Yeah. Well, maybe not. <laughs> that's not kicking not and screaming. Yeah. Not yet. That's not yeah. kicking yeah. and screaming. Yeah. Mas- Grandmaster Wheaton, thank you so much. Thank you uh, for joining such us. Such a pleasure, guys. Thanks again. Yeah, we we love having you here. I want to. Thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, 
Yeah. You know this part of the show. I do. I do. If you're looking to support, not a surprise. If you're looking to support the show uh, in any way, we would really appreciate it if you would tell a friend, uh, bring them to this show. Uh, we treat that as a as a, a great honor to have you be our advocates out there and let other people know that you find value in this show. So uh, find us a new subscriber. Uh, it's really the best thing you can do for us. And. Uh, and oh, and the other thing is, is that is that this is not the second time that we've talked to Grandmaster Wheaton. This Ooh. is the this is the third time because there was a missing second episode that I did not uh, fully get recorded, uh, which was a technical glitch, and I I, I just needed to say that out loud to the entire <laughs> population. Um, but there is a missing episode that only Mark and I got to listen to. Uh, so it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword there. That, but, uh, ooh, that ooh, we, ooh, I saw what you did there. We, <laughs> we, we had a free hour with Grandmaster Wheaton uh, that nobody will ever hear. Yeah, if you if you know you can go to kickboxers.com mm-hmm. and if you're you know within driving distance, come out on a Saturday morning and, and kickbox with us. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. I would love to hear from you if you have any questions or ideas for guests. For an upcoming show, drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com. And thank you so much. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.